Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you are watching for the first time or are simply catching up on a message you miss, we are so glad you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. May you be inspired by the word today. I'm going to ask the church to stand. We're going to read God's word. Ben is way taller than me, like this young man. He is going to, he's graduating, going to Calvin. He tells me engineering is his major and baseball is his game. That'd be fair? Yes. yes. I knew I liked you. I like baseball. I was just what they call a baseball wannabe, if you know what that means. So we're going to go into God's word, Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read the first verse, and you're going to follow along with Ben back and forth through verse 8. Hear the word of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Verse 2. Attending him were mighty seraphim each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory, verse four. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of, of heaven's armies. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. Verse 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a heat, a, not a heat, a seat. A, a, you can sit down. Thank you, Ben. I'm messing up the language, and I didn't even start preaching yet. That's going to be a good morning. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open. We're going to stay here in Isaiah chapter 6. We're finishing up a series, Why Do Church? Everybody's asking it. Why do church? We said that we do church because we need community. What we can do together is greater than we can do by ourselves. We say we do church because we want to know him. And we get to know him better together than by ourselves. We're, we are concluding today why we do church is to make him known. To make him known. Our mission is clear to know him and to make him known. Two questions. Why does the church still exist? The church exists is to love God and to love people. We all get that. It's not complicated. Doing it is another question. Second question. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? We hear about the shootings in Buffalo, the war in Syria, Ukraine. The list goes on and on and on. 
We say, Lord, how much longer? Is anybody echoing those words now and then in your prayer life? Scripture gives us the reason why Jesus has not returned. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that the Lord, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. But he is slow in keeping his promises. He doesn't want anyone to perish. The reason why Jesus has not returned is he desires all people to come into relationship with him. Can I get an amen? And even Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, that after the gospel has been preached to all nations, and then the end will come. That's why Jesus has not come back. I want you to know this morning that time has come for you and I to understand that we are God's woman and we are God's man to be used by him. But I already hear what many of you are already saying. Pastor, I'm not talented enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not gifted enough. Let me respond to those statements by telling you this. God does not show favoritism. Can somebody say amen? When I am weak, he is what? When it's impossible for me, it is what? For him. So those, those excuses simply won't hold. We know that as we come near to God, he'll come near to us. That if we seek after him with all of our heart, we will find him. But so many of us live, as you've heard me say many times, we live so far below what God has for us. Let me say that again. We live so far below what God has for us. We believe the lies, and they're happening right now as I speak. They're being hit. You're being hit by them. I'm not worthy. I will live vicariously through somebody else. When you talk about making him known, I love it when you talk about the Peters from Bangladesh. Or you talk about the missionary here or the pastor there or the person that's making a great impact in the marketplace there. But me, I'll just live vicariously through them and say, yay God. That's not what scripture declares. It's for all of us. Every single one of us is called, but we believe these lies. I'm not worthy. We believe that our current situation, whatever that is for you, is dictating to me that I can't ever get out of it. We don't have deep friendships, so we can't. Or we find ourselves in this bondage of sin that simply keeps screaming at us and says, our lives will never amount to much. My friends, we do church because we are all called, every single one of us that hears my voice, we are all called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to make him known. That's why the church still exists. And once we get this through our, our head to our heart, it's going to make all the difference in the world. Unfortunately, what we have done over the last 25 years is that we have created a church that says we are here to serve you. We're here to woo you and wow you. And as I said last week, if you, uh, two weeks ago, if you like the music or if you like the preaching, then all of a sudden you're good to go. But that's not really why the church exists. The church exists because of the mission of Jesus. And the church exists because he wants all of us to be engaged with it. It's time that we stop listening to the lies. Can I get an amen, church? So why am I in Isaiah? I'm in Isaiah because I believe what I'm going to try to convince you on is that we have to have a similar experience that Isaiah had right here. That without this kind of an experience, there will be nothing inside of you, there'll be nothing inside of me that will ever desire to make him known. I'm too selfish. It always turns back to something that I get out of it. 
even if I do something good, I do it so that I benefit from it. It's the way we are bent. It's called our own selfishness. So we need to experience what Isaiah experienced if we're truly going to do church and we're going to make him known. We need a heart transformation. We need a call on our life. And today I'm here to, to actually um, speak that for you and to you and praying that you will receive it. So as you're into Isaiah, there's the first point that I want to make to you that happened to him is this. Isaiah, number one, engaged God. Somebody say, more of Jesus. That was really weak. Somebody say, more of Jesus. We see in verse 1 right there, in the year that what? King Uzziah died. In the year that King Uzziah died, in other words, Isaiah was in a crisis. The Jewish Talmud tells us that these two guys' dads were brothers. Therefore, they were first cousins. And this dude had ruled for 52 years. And he'd done really well until some of his spiritual leaders were, had passed on and he really messed up and then his life was taken from him. Here you have this young prophet Isaiah and he's all good because he's leaning into Uzziah. You ever been there? And the person that you depend upon, the person that's been your anchor, the person that you go to, that person is no longer there for whatever reason. It's a crisis and that's what Isaiah finds himself in this moment. Knowing in that moment we get one of two choices. Are we going to engage God or are we going to um, uh, run from God. Which way are we going to go in this crisis? He engaged God, and it made all the difference in the world. And as he engaged God, if you're in verses 2 to 4, we get a snapshot on what the throne room of God looks like. Now, we don't know whether he's physically there or it's a vision, but the reality is he sees the throne room of God. And it says to us in those verses, if you are there, that it says that the, be- the glory of God The presence of God filled up that room. And he did it, and he describes it in such a way that his robe, the glorious robe of God, filled the room like a bride walking down the aisle for her wedding. That all eyes are on that bride. I walked down this very aisle with my daughter, and I guarantee you there was, that will be something I will take to my grave. This is even greater than that. That when Isaiah engaged God, he was thrust into the throne room of God. And we get to see a snapshot of the throne room of God. In these verses, verses 2 and 4, that as this throne, as his robe filled and his glory filled the room, he had these crazy looking angelic hosts, seraphim and cherubim, and however you pronounce these incredible angelic hosts. And they had wings all over them. And they are... Uh, uh, worshiping God and declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is this inc- and all of that, it says in verse 4, that when this all occurred, the spoken word of God, the presence of God, literally physically shook the place. Isaiah was in crisis. His first cousin dies, the king. He engages God and boom, he's thrust into the presence of God. I remember in my own life, I was 17 years old. I was on my first mission trip. I'd only known Christ for a little 18 months. This is before internet devices. And you never used the telephone because it cost $100 and $200 for six minutes. Anybody remember the days internationally, right? Some of you remember that when I was in the States when you had teenagers and they went and started talking on long distance in that cord that reached into another room. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And all the kids fought over that one phone and then you got the phone bill. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
So here I find myself in Central America, Honduras, the city of Tegucigalpa. And I was in a crisis. I was teaching, as I've told you before, English. Barely knew Spanish, and I was living by myself. And I, my crisis was not a death of a king. My crisis was I was lonely. Three months as a 17-year-old, thinking I, I was overwhelmed. What I did is I engaged God, and he met me in a powerful way. Not like Isaiah, I wasn't thrust into the throne room of God. But something happened to me that I experienced him at a deeper level as a 17-year-old, which is why I say God can speak to students in a deep and powerful way. And the reason why I know that is true, standing before you is somebody that had actually happened to. You with me? KCC, we need this kind of engagement with God. What I have prayed for on Sunday mornings is that it's just not a passive moment that we come in and we check the box and say, I did church. I'm not motivated to be that pastor. I'm motivated that the presence and the power of God is represented every single week here. And that he will do whatever he wants to do and we'll have our sails up ready for him to move. Is anybody else hungry for this? Yeah? And when he experienced God, something happened to him. I'm reminded of another biblical character. He had such an encounter like Isaiah, and he was Saul, and he was killing people in the church, and he was on a road outside towards Damascus, and he gets an experience of God too, like Isaiah. It changes his name, and it changes his occupation, and it changes everything about him, right? Where then he gets to the point where he says in Philippians 3, I consider everything rubbish compared to knowing him. In other words, I am so in love with Jesus, even the good things around me, I consider it trash compared to knowing him. I press on towards the goal which Christ has set me, forgetting what is behind me, pressing on towards what is ahead. This is not planned in my sermon, but some of you that are hearing my voice today, you have believed the lie that whatever has happened in the past can continue controlling your present. And I'm here to make that declaration. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's time to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, that today is a new day for you. Can I get an amen? There are three types of people here today as it relates to engaging God. The first group are the seekers. You know who you are. Uh, life has brought you to this moment where you're trying to figure out, is God for real or not? Do I want to surrender my life to him or not? I want you to know number one is you're welcome here. Anybody who, everybody's welcome here. I'll say it again. Everybody is welcome here. I don't know if we understand the full ramifications when we say everybody is welcome. But when I say it, I understand the ramifications. But when you are girded by truth and the love of Jesus, people who are on a journey towards Jesus will immediately, even though they can't articulate it, will know something's different about those people and that place. And that's the kind of church I want to pastor. Anybody else with me? And I would say to you, if you're on a journey towards God trying to figure it all out, Today is your day. Pursue Jesus today. Second group of people, you've allowed the weeds to choke out your passion. The crises, the health issues, the, the marriage issues, the kid issues, whatever they are. And you aren't as passionate about him as you have been. You become complacent. And I would say to you today, today is the day you cut your weeds and you engage him. The third group, as it relates to engaging him, you are the people that are truly pursuing God, I would say to you, keep on keeping on 
pursuing God. It is time, church, for us to dream about the possibility of God using you. He brought you here, and I do, I do not care about your age. Let me say that again. I do not care about your age. Until you have your last breath, you have purpose, you have reason, and God has a plan for your life. I believe that with everything I've got. I hope you understand that. Isaiah was in crisis and he engaged God. The key point is simply quoting from Joshua 24, 14. In a moment as he was following the greatest leader of all time, taking over from Moses, and there was chaos in the uh, camp. And he said, if Baal will be your God, serve him. But then he makes this declaration, but choose this day who you will serve. But as for me, as for me, this is 100% clear. For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Anybody else say amen to that? We do church to make him known. The only way that's going to ever happen is we need to engage God. But let me clearly articulate the engaging God and having the experience, even in a setting like this, is not an end to itself. It has a motive and it has a reason. And that's the second thing you see in Isaiah. That's why I said to keep your Bibles open. The second thing, that after he engaged the throne room of God, the second point is that Isaiah was honest and he was delivered. Isaiah was honest and he was delivered. Somebody say, let's be honest. Say it again. Let's be honest. You look at verse 5. When he is in the presence of God, something happens. This is what happens for us when we are in worship. When he's in the presence of God, he can no longer run from who he really is. And in that moment when God's presence is there, what happened in that moment is he's declared in verse 5, I am a man of unclean lips. Whether he knew about his unclean lips before this moment, I do not know. But I will say this, when he was in the presence of God, that reality was now screaming at him. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. In other words, worship is kind of God's way of being a mirror to allow us to truly see ourselves. I don't know about you, but I'm really good at rationalizing. I'm really good at explaining away all of the issues in my life. Is anybody else good with that? But when you come into the presence of the Almighty, He becomes our mirror and there's no longer rationalizations. There's no longer words that will suffice. We have to be honest before God. We will either engage Him and be honest as Isaiah was, or we will run. There will be people even on Sunday mornings here at KCC because the power and the presence of God is so amazing. They will literally leave before the service is over and they will run because they do not and desire not to engage him. But please know if we engage him every time, he is there to do exactly what he needs to do. Because once he was honest, if you go to verse 6 and 7, the Lord begins to do the miraculous. He uses an angel. He uses a pair of tongs with coals and he touches his lips what's he doing after Isaiah is honest God now brings the healing God now brings the forgiveness God now brings the restoration in Isaiah's life does this make sense to anybody I begin with the crisis I engage God he shows up and I see him and then I see me and then I say woe is me and then he doesn't leave me there. And then he takes care of that woe. And he heals me and he forgives me. And he begins to restore my life. Does this make sense to anybody? 
But let me say this, beware, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, where Paul says, godly sorrow brings about repentance. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction will always lead to repentance and salvation and healing. Condemnation will say, you are a loser, you are no value, you can stay in your sin, just keep on keeping on. I want the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I stand against and rebuke and put at the foot of the cross and bind every lie of condemnation. For Romans 8, 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, that's really good news for you all today. You are no longer condemned. If you don't hear anything else, that is really, really good news. Many of you and many of you online have walk and are walking in condemnation and God says enough is enough. You see, God's conviction is specific. Isaiah knew it. He, he, was, a, he was a cusser. He had filthy lips and he knew it. What is yours? You don't need to say it in this moment, but I will tell you what James says. We don't like this. Book of James, confess your sins to one another. Anybody ready to do that? Number two, pray for one another, and then you will be healed. I wonder why we're still in our moments. Yeah, James is probably talking about physical healing, but I do believe this is applicable for spiritual healing also. The principle is there for us. And if you say, well, I don't even know if I got an issue. Well, all you got to do is pray that dangerous prayer in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, and I guarantee you're going to know. Search me, O God. And know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You pray that prayer and mean it, he will show you, you. You with me? And we go all the way back to Genesis when they, Adam and Eve walks away from God and God walks in the cool of the morning and they hide from God. They're naked and they realize for the first time in their life that they're naked. And ever since then we've been hiding from God. He's saying, I want to take care of that. Anybody with me? I want to take care of that. The key point is this. Honesty before God and the church will bring about deliverance in your life. That's the first two points. Now let me say this about the church. By and large, most churches want these first two points. They want you to engage God. They want you delivered and healed and restored, right? But the problem is, what we see here is, that's not the end all. And when churches say, I'm good to go, I've been delivered, it's for a reason. Not just so that you can be delivered and freed. The third point shows us what he's, this whole process is. And if we don't have the first two, you won't care about the last. Which takes me to my final point. Isaiah was sent by God. Here's a dangerous repeat, and if you can't say it, don't say it. But if you can, repeat after me. Say, send me. I didn't expect many people to say it. One more time, send me. He says there clearly after all this in verse 8, God does that amazing thing where he looks at Isaiah and he says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Speaking of the Trinity. I love that plural there. Whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? He already does. does God need us? Yes or no? I'm asking you, does God need us? Yes or no? He doesn't need us, but he sure can use us, right? 
uh, because he knows why we were created. You weren't created just to be free. You weren't created just to be happy. You weren't created just to wait for heaven. If that busts your bubble. I, I look really apologetic, don't I? But God asked, whom shall I send? Who shall go for me? He was calling before Isaiah. He's been calling since Isaiah. He's always been calling. And the question is not whether God is calling. The question is, are you, am I listening? Are we listening to the call? Who shall I send? Who will go for me? And we see in verse 8, Isaiah does those amazing words. This, this literally is this with his hands open wide. Here am I, send me. Do you understand what that means? Just as this physical um, stature uh, says, I don't get to say where, I don't get to say when, I don't get to say how, but I follow the leader. I get out of the boat and say, I don't and will not stay in the boat, but I will be a water walker and say, wherever you lead, I will go. My wife and I were talking about this even yesterday. We had to travel to the other side of the state for a funeral of someone who helped us plant mosaic. And we were just kind of reminiscing and we were driving through the area that our kids graduated from. And we realized, wow, we just keep saying yes and we never know what an adventure we are on. Wherever we are at, we're 100% there. But yet we will always say yes to his call. Here am I, send me. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means. Question to you is this, where are you at with this? I remember when I was at a conference in my early teenage years, yet again, I had never even heard of missions. And I was sitting about halfway back and somebody started talking about the nations. And I, and, and I was one that read scripture and if scripture said it, then I said, well, we gotta do it if the scripture says it, right? No questions asked. If the scripture says do it, let's do it. I don't remember who the dude was. He's probably with Jesus by now because that was a long time ago and he was old in that moment. Well, I don't know if he was old. I was young. And when you're young, you think everybody's old. <laughs> right? And he was talking about the nations and I just remember sitting about halfway back and I was like, here, my Lord, send me. I didn't know it was going to change the whole course of my life. From that point forward, uh, the journey began. And I've never turned back. I've said, Lord, whatever breaks your heart, May it break mine. Might be so aligned up with you. You need to understand that. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, are you listening? In this gallery up in the balcony, it says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth that he may strongly support those who are completely his. Second Chronicles 16.9, he's looking. He's looking this very moment who will say yes what is your excuses? Come on now. Anybody else good at them? The Bible's full of them. Jeremiah, man, I'm too young. Isaiah, I, I cuss. Moses, I stutter. Praise the Lord for Moses. Makes me feel so good as a public speaker. I'll tell you what. What's your excuse? What are you fearful of? Here's the one thing that concerns me about the church. We say yes to God. Yes, Lord, send me. And then we put all of the criteria on what that looks like. That's not what this passage is saying. And Isaiah went on to be the prophet to the nation. And that's not something anybody signs up for. You never want to be a prophet if you study the Bible. Prophets don't make good friends. 
and they typically kill prophets. Anybody want to sign up for that one? But I stand here today more passionate than I've ever stood, realizing the need before us is immense. Remember what I prayed back in the day at that university, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours? How many of you believe that God, God is, what God declares in Scripture, that the gospel, don't jump over this, the gospel is for every human being on this planet. If you believe that, would you raise your hand? Who believes that from Scripture? That's pretty much a lot of you. You really believe that, yes or no? I'll ask it one more time. You really believe the gospel is for everyone, yes or no? And why do we have three billion people who've never heard of Jesus once? We give lip service, and here we stand today. Because we say, here are my God, send me with my criteria. I'll do it the way I want to do it. America is becoming probably already there, post-Christian. The faith bubble is busted and now we're becoming a minority like believers around the world and we don't like it and we fight and scream about it and we try all the other realms that, to get back to where we want to be. Electing who we would elect and fighting over politics and getting engaged with this, that, and the rest and there's nothing wrong with any of those routes but I think the real issue is called discipleship. Are we truly gonna be followers of Jesus? And once we get that right, Look out. Many of us today, when you say, Lord, here am I, send me, and your heart starts to pound, you're like Jonah. I'm going to run, run, run. I may not jump on a ship and go in the opposite direction of God. What I will do is keep my schedule so busy and the music going so that if I slow down and heard what God really wanted to say, I'd be fearful what he would say. There's only one way to be fulfilled, and that is saying, Lord, here am I, send me. Jesus has made it clear that we are in the last days in Matthew 24. The love of most are growing cold. Anybody agree with that, yes or no? He said they will persecute you. Thousands are being persecuted and dying for their faith as I speak. I have a brother from Burma who is engaged with KCC and he sends me, breaks my heart. He sends me a text with a photo about once a week of the 11,000 homes that continue to be burned by the junta the government that had the coup that continues to persecute Christians. We never hear about it. We don't even give two thoughts of it. They're your brothers and sisters. You will be with them in eternity. And the question is, are we really praying the prayer, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours? Brother will betray brother. Households will be divided. These are the things that we see happening. We will walk away from this because it doesn't suit our modern culture and the Kool-Aid that we drink. But God is calling us today. What does this look like as I bring this in? I believe today God is saying to those of us and those of you online, there needs to be a fresh wind, fresh touch. And those of you in the marketplace, you have been a little complacent while you have been there, and as you've been there, you have been more concerned about your responsibility and the bottom line of profit and how everything could be nice and neat and not realizing the number one reason why you are in that marketplace is for the people that God has given you an opportunity to influence. So I'm calling you out today, those of you in the marketplace, a fresh call to say, Lord, here am I, send me. I want to learn how to be 
your man or woman, because the only way we will ever change the world, it will not be inside of the church. It will be sending out men and women to the marketplace that understand this passage and say, Lord, here am I, send me. The world is waiting for you. Enough excuses. Are you willing? Because God has birthed something inside of your heart that you say, I cannot get away from this. Secondly, there are those of you that God is calling into ministry today. You don't have to know exactly what it looks like. You don't have to know exactly where and how it plays out. But you have to be willing to say, Lord, here am I. We don't have enough pastors for the churches in America. We are in crisis. And people think that I'm just kind of being a little extreme. It's, it's the truth. And we need men and women that are willing it's the one profession that you stand in front of people and you're judged publicly whether they like you or not. People coming and going. You're not my cup of tea. I don't like this about the church. I don't like that about the church. And we are in a crisis like we've never been. We need young men and young women that are willing to say, Lord, here am I. I will follow you wherever that means. And that means into the pastorate, the local church, so be it. And thirdly, some of you are called the consideration of actually going to the nations, to the nations. Maybe it's a short trip at the beginning to hear God say, what about me? Uh, Stony Creek was a church I pastored before Mosaic, before you, and I stood before them and said, your sons and daughters will be called to the nations. And I remember five families being called out and we sent to the country of Turkey. I took them on short-term mission trips and they were stirred to their hearts and I said, I will engage you in six months. Now you and your spouse just pray. Six months later, I came back to them and say, what is God saying to you? Long story short, all five of them ended up serving and we gave them all 50% of their support and we targeted it and it became the stake on the plate because I said, God is going to say to us, not only are we going to reach people locally, we are going to reach people all over the globe because not because I'm excited about it, not because that's where I, my experience has taken me, because it's biblical. It's biblical, it is from scripture, and it's from Jesus' own words. What you're finding from this sermon, my friends, is that I'm not here to woo and wow you, I'm here to call you out. Whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's in the local church as a minister, or whether it's as a missionary, I don't know what that is, but I'm saying to you today, be praying, because I'm going to call you to action in just a moment. But let's decide to do the following the first, as I would say to us, is let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit this week who he would show us that we could show the love of Jesus. Can we all commit to that? Show the love of Jesus. Secondly, as I said, pray about going on a short-term trip either to Austria or India. Here's two really practical ones we all should say yes to. Pray and express once a day an act of love to somebody in the name of Jesus. Through a text through buying them coffee, having opportunities, having spiritual eyes and say, hey, I just want to love somebody unconditionally. What do you think with all the people that are in this place and people that are online, if we actually once a day said, God, throughout the day, show me how I can show and express love and be your hands and feet and make you known. How many God sightings would we have next week? How many? We would have multiple God sightings for each individual. Do you not believe that? And if we are saying, Lord, here am I, send me, uh, you, may, you don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to stand in the corner and preach to somebody. All you got to do is start loving people and tell them why you love them. You with me? And the last one, 
We believe, how many of you believe that the Holy Spirit is continuing to visit us on Sunday mornings? Yeah? How many of you believe that if we continue to invite people that are on a journey, that if they come here, they will, without a mistake, without mistake, they will experience that same touch of God? Anybody believe that? So, why aren't you inviting people? On your way out, they're going to have the doors, they're going to have invite cards. See, I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to rally you. I'm going to say, well, let's do it. We either believe it or we don't, right? Show some love to some people in the name of Jesus. Start inviting people to church who you, God brings you, uh, brings you into contact with. May God do that. The key point is we are all sent by God. We are all sent by God. May we learn from the prophet of Isaiah. Now we're going into a very critical moment in the, in the order of our service. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh God, I pray right now that if what I said is of you, that we couldn't get away from it. But I ask that you would speak because your servants have been listening. This could be transformational for many, many people. Not only the people that sit here, but for the literal thousands of people that will be touched powerfully through their lives. I think of our students, all the students and the impact that they can have through a lifetime and how you wanna use their lives. Think about the retiree that's realizing they've, they've gone and co uh, they've maybe begun coasting and they need to say, Lord, here, send me. I'm open. I'm grateful for the empty nesters that have said, I'll serve six months overseas here and there. Help a team. Some of you, God's even calling and saying, I want you to leave your job. That's getting out of the boat, isn't it? And trust me with the next call in your life. Lord, hear our cry right now. In Jesus' name. Look up this way. Would you stand with me? This call is for every one of us. I don't care. Don't listen to the lies. Don't worry about anybody around you. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now? And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now, you need to respond. I'm calling you to a very, very challenging call. Who's willing in this place that can hear my voice with their arms? Join me. Arms like this. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I don't even know what that looks like. Marketplace, local church, overseas. I don't know. But I want to follow you. Water walker, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. And your heart is beating. I want you in the balcony, in the galleries, on the main floor. I want you to literally come here and stand. You're saying, here my Lord, send me. Is there anybody that can hear my voice? You know that you know, and you're feeling it right now. And if that is you, you're already moving because you know you cannot hold back what God is saying to you. Who is that? Come now. Maybe there's only one or two of you. Who's saying, Lord, here am I? Regardless of your age. Regardless of how long you've been in the church, you're saying, Lord God, here am I. Send me. I want to be serious about this. Come. I'll give you time. You can keep applauding for them because God is calling people out. Here am I. Send me. Come on, church. Here am I. Send me. I need to recommit my life to my marketplace. I've been coming complacent. You need to come up here and say, here am I, Lord, send me. I've been complacent in the marketplace and I'm recommitting my life saying, here am I, Lord, send me to the marketplace. Come on, church, this is your opportunity.
And then there are those of you who your heart is beating, but you were glued to your stationary moment. I would say to you, you don't need to do it in here as long as you do it. But, the, but history tells me, ministry says that if you can't make that commitment here, it's unlikely you will ever make it out by yourself. And we have no guarantee what tomorrow is. We've only got today. And I want to be a church that's committed to equipping people to be exactly what they need to be. Anybody else with me? Here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you guys. And I want our pastor's team to get some info on you so that we can help you. And as they do that, then what I'm, after I pray, we are going to, with our students, amazing students, we are going to, we're going to worship and make that declaration. The song we sang, Rooftops, is going to be our declaration as a church. We will shout it from the rooftops that Jesus is Lord, right? We're going to make that and be the church he wants us to be. So would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, I pray for these that are up here right now. You know all about each and every life. You know their story, you know their ups, you know their downs, you know their struggles. And I'm praying right now you would give them exactly what they need. That as they keep saying yes and saying, Lord, here am I, send me. That they truly could see your hand. Help us to know how to come alongside them and give them exactly what they need to be exactly what you want them to be. We put them into your hands. We pray this decision would literally go into good soil and it would flourish. And KCC would be known as a church that is committed to know you and make you known, not in words, but in reality. And that we will continue to love people and invite people and express what you called us to. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Angela and the team, I want you to lead us. Church, do not leave. This is our corporate declaration. We will shout it from the rooftops. Anybody ready to do that? That Jesus is the answer? Make this your prayer. Team, once you lead us, let's worship him. Here I am, I stand with all.
Somebody say amen. Again, somebody say amen. amen. We believe greater days are ahead. Anybody with me this morning? And I say thank you to each of these lives that came forward. Can we put our hands again together for them, for their decision to say, here am I, send me. I would encourage you again to, um, and, uh, to go out into the atrium, engage our opportunities from those mission trips, but also I'd love to see each and every one of you here at four o'clock for one hour. It's gonna be an incredible hour together. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace until we meet again. And all God's people said.